There are not many places of greater joy than a happy playground, amen? A happy playground where when, if you're a small child or you're a parent, you're watching your child, everyone's getting along, everyone is taking, I know this is not real world, everyone's taking their turns. There is a tall, long slide on one side of the playground and the kids are climbing up and coming down the slide with great glee. There's a tall set of swings. And as you get older through the years, your parents push you a little harder and a little higher every year. And you look forward to making that change over time. What memories I have of playgrounds. Playgrounds. And we would like the rest of the world... We would like, including our spiritual lives, to be like the same. Happy playgrounds. But what we find out as we enter into the spiritual life, that Christ has invited us to a hostile battlefield. Not a happy playground. And in this hostile background, there is live ammunition. There are real casualties. Some believers that we know become disillusioned in the process by such a reality, and they kind of drop out. We live in a world that is hostile to Christ. And because of that, this world is hostile to his followers. Amen? Let's just call it what it is. We are surrounded by conflict. Some of you are very conflict adverse. Avoidance. And, and you find yourself at times running from the new conflict that is on the surface. I think there's at least three reasons for the conflict in our lives, spiritually. Number one, I love how one author put this. There's a traitor in the camp. There's a traitor in the camp. As you came this morning, you allowed a traitor to follow you and tag along with you as you came into the sanctuary. It is called your flesh. It is at war with the Spirit. Jot down in your notes, Galatians 5, 17. Let me just turn back a few pages and read it for you. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Amen? How many of us are frustrated at times to say, I, I, I want to live for God. And this sinful flesh that I carry around with me until Christ comes back keeps asking me to do the things I don't want to do. That's true for all of us. 
Well, that's a lot of the conflict right there. Secondly, you are part of the body of Christ. And therefore, because you are part of the body of Christ, with him being the head, you, as, Christ, as Satan comes against Christ, guess who gets hit? The body. The body of Christ. We're in conflict. Third reason? God's program includes judging the world and judging Satan and Satan continues to fight against this inevitable day. He is trying to frustrate the plans of Christ for that day. And so, you know what? If I can't get to Christ, I'll get to his body. I'll frustrate the body of Christ, and that is us. We're going to look at a passage today that's going to talk about us using God's resources to help stand against the evil powers that are around us. We need to learn and to develop skills in how to deal with Satan's attacks. Amen? We need to learn this. We need to learn how to use God's resources to stand firm against evil powers. And we're going to start learning that process today now what's the background for the passage book of ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 says blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in christ the whole beginning of the book is in the heavenlies look at all that god has given you and blessed you with in the heavenlies and then he starts in chapter 4 and says, Now, in light of all that, live it out. Walk in a manner worthy to which you've been called, to which you've been blessed, to which you've been equipped. Live it out. But now, he comes to chapter 6, verse 10, and there's a huge shift in the text. We find ourselves still in the heavenlies. But we're living at this point in a cosmic battlefield. See, we also live in a present world that denies the supernatural realm. There are so many that say, what you see is what you get. There's nothing more than what you can touch, taste, feel, see, and hear. If you can't experience it, it's not real. Can I tell you, there is something out there called the spiritual realm that is more real than what this is. But the world will tell you different than that. We're going to study today what many around us deny. Also, would you keep in mind, as Paul is writing this letter to the church at Ephesus, where is he sitting? He is sitting in a stinking Roman prison. He is seeing all around him soldiers of the Praetorian Guard 
doing their job. Information. Let's look at Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 13. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. We're going to stop right there. There's so much there. He starts out in chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, what, what he's saying in that little word as I studied that, it's like, from now on, I don't know how you've been living from now on, I'm going to make you aware of the battle we are in. So you have to change. And he commands them, and he commands us, be strong. Now, a little grammar. Present, passive, imperative. Okay, yawn. Imperative means it's a command. You've got to do it. Be strong. Present means you've got to do it all the time. But here's what's so amazing. It's passive. Be strong. When it's passive, that means you can't do it. Someone has to do it to you. So when he says be strong, he's saying, would you please allow God to strengthen you? Because you can't do it. I don't care how much you grunt and groan and, and ooh. This is spiritual warfare. This isn't physical. Be strong. In the Lord. Remember your position in Christ. And the emphasis in this one verse is on God's resources. Divine power at work in believers. And why? Please don't forget this. Our own strength is no match for the enemy of our souls. Hold your ears. I don't want you to forget this. This is Paul's bugle blast to awaken us from our passivity, to awaken us from lethargy, to alert us to the realities of the conflict. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. It's all of God. 
to resist at the spiritual level requires the strength supplied by God, which is rooted in His might, not mine. And God's best soldiers are those who are conscious, now hear this, who are conscious of their own weaknesses, who are conscious, painfully so, of their own ineffectiveness. And we must rely solely upon God to bring His power to bear in my life. Because we can't do it. Well, that's just verse 10. Verse 11, what is the danger we're up against? We're up against Satan's strategies or schemes. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. See, we live in danger all the time spiritually. Why do we keep losing sight of that truth? Now, God's responsible for some of this. I'm responsible for some of this. And we'll understand why in just a moment. What's God responsible for? God supplies the armor. Look in the text. The whole armor of God. It is God's armor that he has put together for us. And understand, it's not just one or two pieces of armor. It's a whole suit of armor. That's why he says, put the whole thing on. Our God does not throw us unprotected into the battle. He provides for us. He provides all we need to accomplish the mission. And God supplies, He is the source of this divine spiritual armor. Why? Because the battle is spiritual against spiritual evil forces. I can't forge that. That's God's responsibility, and He's promised to provide it for you. What's my responsibility? Verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God. Put it on. It's a command. It's another imperative. We are responsible for putting on God's full armor. Matter of fact, it's the whole armor. If a soldier forgot even a single item of his battle outfit and he went into battle, would he be assured of victory? Every piece matters. That's why it was designed that way. They all work as a unit. And there are times... We don't put on all the pieces. Sometimes we're fortunate to put on one or two. And we're saying, well, that should do. But God gave you a whole series of pieces to put on. 
Notice in the text, we're not to attack, we're not to advance. We are to stand. We are to hold the ground that Christ has already won. Purpose in verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God, that. That word that often means purpose. What is the purpose? You can stand. Our ability to stand in battle depends on our use of the whole armor of God. Now, why do we need to stand? (laughs) Still verse 11. Because what's coming against us are the strategies or the schemes of Satan himself. Would you notice, like in your notes, I put Satan's strategies, and it looks like that little S at the end is a typo. It's not. I, I made it bigger. Why? Because it's plural. Satan has multiple strategies. Matter of fact, I, I put in your bulletin something that I developed years ago, and, and here are 34 strategies that he uses against... This is not an exhaustive list. This just gets you started. He wants to come after you. One author says, The hordes of Satan are the opposing army in the holy war, and Satan is a brilliant general with an incredibly well-planned set of strategies that can easily lead to our defeat and destruction. Do you understand that the enemy of your soul wants to do two things? I think down to two things. One, he wants to deceive you. He wants to deceive every truth that you know about God and the world and the Bible deceive you. But the second one is where he wants to eventually go. He wants your destruction. And he will not be happy until you are destroyed. I don't think a day goes by he doesn't launch something against us. His attacks are designed to cause doubt in us, to deny things, to disregard, but eventually it is to disobey the revealed will of God. And and we, we take it so glibly. See, his... His strategies, plural, his strategies have been effective and honed for, think about this, thousands of years. How do you think you have a chance standing against that by yourself? But we do. The reasons for the armor. Verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Do you see the word against repeated, repeated, repeated? 
We're in battle. And notice at the beginning at that verse, we do not wrestle. We. It's plural. It's not singular. Often this battle takes place in a corporate setting. It's not only personal. He doesn't just come after me or you. He does. But I think here is the, the aha. He comes after us as part of the body of Christ as a group. He's sowing discord. He's sowing my opinion counts. He's sowing it's my way or the highway. He is sowing to the power of the flesh in our lives and saying, how can I stir up this body and get them so cross-threaded with one another that they are not listening to God and doing His will? What's the nature of our enemy? Number one, the nature of our enemy. Verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Our enemy is not flesh and blood. He is not a physical person. It's not a physical army. This is a spiritual being. And it takes spiritual weapons to overcome a spiritual enemy. Side note. Our battle is not against human beings. Now there are people out there listening to the flesh and that they are being energized by Satan himself. Yes. And we at times fight against People. Christ died for people. Christ loves them. So why do we get so frustrated with people and say, well, they're the problem. They're not the problem. The spiritual force behind them is the issue. And we don't need to attack them as people. We need to Use the armor that God has given us to attack the enemy that's driving the person. So our enemy is not flesh and blood. He's a spirit. Secondly, what's the nature of our battle? I found this fascinating. Verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. That word wrestle is the nature of the battle. This word wrestle has within its word hand-to-hand combat. This isn't snipers and sharpshooters from a distance. No, this is in the trenches. This is eyeball-to-eyeball. It emphasizes the personal nature of the struggle. It is intense. And it's up-close battle. And here's reality. We are not mere spectators in this wrestling match. We are locked daily in a spiritual match with our cunning and crafty enemy. And I'll tell you right now, you know, when you watch wrestling, they are looking to make the quick move to take it and not to take that do you know where they're going to come from and they take you out. 
Our enemy is watching you daily to say, where are they vulnerable? Where can I take them out? How can I wrestle with them for destruction? Thirdly, the organization of our enemy. We wrestle against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. These are real but unseen forces. And these words suggest a hierarchy of evil, a a chain of command, a military order to it. These are superhuman forces that have been mustered against us. Do not underestimate them. But also remember, these evil forces have limited power. It's great, but limited. And finally in the passage, why do we need the armor? Because of who our enemy is, because of how the battle goes, because of the huge organization behind them, but fourthly, the total wickedness of our enemy. He is out to destroy us. He is out to destroy us personally, and he's out to destroy us as a church. One author, Kent Hughes, said this best. The author, Kent Hughes. Satan has no conscience, no compassion, no remorse, no morals. He feeds on pain, and anguish, and filth. Human beings cannot fully relate to the total wickedness that motivates Satan. And there is no limit to his evil except what is placed on him by God's sovereign restraint. And anytime you look around this world, we see that depravity and that wickedness being lived out in our world every day. We need the armor, amen? What are the effects of wearing the armor? It's found back in 11 and verse 13. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Verse 13, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Believers need to respond to the reality of this warfare. Paul says, take up the whole armor of God. Take up is a technical military term. Number one, it enables us to stand firm. To stand firm in spiritual victory. And with God's armor, we are protected by God's power. We need not fear. 
we need not cower. He will flee from you in God's power within you. Jot down James 4, 7. But we must stand. Secondly, when we wear the armor, we have the ability to discern Satan's strategies. To discern his strategies. Satan is not stupid, amen? He can identify, he can target, he can exploit your weaknesses like no one else. He has been studying you better than your own children study you. He knows where you're vulnerable. He knows where you have your man-made defenses. He knows what stirs up the flesh in your life. And he is constantly picking at you. What happens when I wear the armor, number three? We will be ready for anything that comes. Anything that comes. We will be able to withstand in the evil day. We will be standing against great opposition. And Paul is referring to the spiritual battles of the present, but also that will culminate at the end of the age. What's the goal? What's our goal as soldiers for Jesus Christ? At the end of the day, to stand in victory upon the field of battle in the armor that God has provided. That's our goal. What's our What's our problems? Well, I, fi I figured out four of them because I've done them all. Number one, we think we can stand without God's armor. God, I'll handle the small stuff. I'll save the armor for the, the big battles. You know, when they come along, I'll try to get it on in time. But, but let me just handle these small little temptations. You, do you think that? You're defeated already. You've got to strap on the armor every day. Remember, wrestle. This is hand-to-hand, -hand, winner-take-all combat. This is not Iowa wrestling, amen? There isn't a ref and it isn't called after a certain point. This is to the death. This is mortal combat. You cannot stand without God's armor. Secondly, we don't sense danger. We tend to minimize Satan's power. See, we want to live our spiritual lives on the happy playground. And often, we are oblivious to people falling spiritually all around us. We know the outcome of the war. We, we've read the last chapter of the book of Revelation. 
But individual battles can be lost. If any believer has not done all that they can in order to stand. Thirdly, we don't have all the weapons or we are untrained in how to use them. Some of you use one or two. You don't understand the rest of their use or significance and you need to be trained and practice to use the full armor of God. So I'm going to suggest you come back next Sunday. That's what we're going to talk about. Number four, we are compromised. We have become comfortable with our enemy. See, there are some areas of your spiritual life that you have been defeated, and you know what? You've, you've just laid down. I'm not going to stand anymore. I have fallen so many times in this one area, I, I just give up. And we wallow in the mud. And Paul says, he blows the bugle and says, put on the whole armor of God. I don't care where you're at, but get up. Or maybe you'll become comfortable with sin. You've allowed the enemy to have his way in your life in an area and you just said, you know what, God can't change that area. Oh, yes, he can. Is it easy to be in battle? No. Does God understand that? Yes. So he gives us armor. We have victory in Christ. We do. What does this mean for us individually and corporately? I want to give you three truths that you can stand on. Number one, no satanic attack can ever overwhelm God. Amen? Now, Satan is powerful, but remember this. He is a created being. He is not Christ's counterpart, as some people think. It just drives me crazy. And the Holy Spirit has been given us as a down payment of our inheritance, but also as a power source to live the Christian life. The question this morning becomes, is have you placed your faith in Christ as your Savior from sin? Have you been born again? Because if you've not taken that step, you are in the camp of the enemy. When the enemy says, you do this, when sin says, you do this, you have no power to say no. When I place my faith in Christ, I have a new life. I was spiritually dead, and I'm spiritually alive. So are you born again? Secondly, 
no satanic scheme can penetrate God's armor. No satanic scheme can penetrate God's armor. That's why he says, put on the armor. You're under attack, put on the armor. He even says, put on the whole armor. Not just a piece or two. Now you may need a piece or two at that moment to ward off whatever is coming at you. But the armor is a unit that I need to put on all the pieces so I can stand. Number three, no satanic attack can overcome God's church. That's us. Christ said in Matthew 16, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But here is reality. We can't go it alone. We are a body. We each function in different areas. We're each gifted differently by the Spirit of God. He needs all of us doing our thing for the glory of God. And when one of you drops out, we are all more vulnerable. If this is true, and it is, if you follow Jesus, we live every day on a spiritual battlefield. Satan wants to destroy you. You must Stand firm. Why do I need to apply this? The strongest chain is only as strong as its weakest link. The strongest army is only as invincible as its most vulnerable soldier. The question for us this morning is, are you adding your strength as you are yielded to God or are you making us more vulnerable as a church? We stand and fall, not just individually, but as a body of Christ. And if there are areas where you are defeated, then you need to call a brother or sister in Christ and say, please pray for me. Please, I need to know how to be strong in this area. And when you get those calls, do not judge. Because all of us have areas of weakness. Amen? All of us are vulnerable. But together as a body, we are strong in Christ. Well, that's just the first four verses. I can't wait to see what the next week or two holds. We just started off, right before this message, singing, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. But you maybe now realize, as I believed, 
that Martin Luther actually looked at these four verses when he wrote the hymn. And we're going to sing this hymn again. And as you are singing this, would you hear the theology of Ephesians 6, 10 to 13? Would you hear the message echo in the words of these old famous hymns? And there are times, and I'm doing this on purpose, because at times you may not remember the message that I preached, but most of us remember this hymn. And the truths that are here. So if you would stand, and Mary, let's go back to hymn 333. It'll be on the screens. 